I want you to hear from Pastor Mike as well as from me. Um, so we're both bringing, Lord willing, short messages. <laughs> um, but from God's Word, so I wanted to... <laughs> I am the host pastor today, Nick, and I will do what I need to do. So, um, so I want to take time to look in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 uh, for our time. And so if you could turn there, uh, I'll be looking at actually in particular verses 20 through 21. And I want for us at this moment to, uh, to have our hearts prepared uh, for sending the team off. And so I chose this passage. And, and it's just important, I think, in a moment like this to get our orientation right. Um, I was looking yesterday, actually, uh, to the, at, at the uh, notice that was given to the soldiers and um, servicemen uh, who were sent out on D-Day by General Eisenhower. And it was a big day, as you know, historically, where they were uh, sent into Europe and were facing um, the German army and all the danger that was there. And he knew that they needed to hear some key things. And so he said this, listen to his words. He said, Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the Great Crusade, toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year, 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. to 41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man-to-man. -man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage and devotion to duty and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Wow, what a message to hear as you prepare to go off and, uh, on D-Day and fight and maybe face uh, the possibility of death, but to know that, that you were propelled by uh, such a noble cause. Well, Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 20 to 21 really are our D-Day message. Uh, it's truth from God that informs our minds and helps us to uh, be ready and to face what, we, what is ahead. So this is a message uh, first for the team as they go, but also for King of Grace as we continue to go in the mission that we have. So let's pray, ask God's blessing on His Word this morning. Lord, thank You that Your Word uh, has everything we need, Lord, for the life and mission you call us to. And I pray as we look at Ephesians chapter 3, uh, in these two verses, that you would encourage and grant us fresh faith for the battle and the victories that you have in store. So build us up, build this team up, and be glorified through this time, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. 
just going to read briefly this, these two, past, two verses from Ephesians chapter 3. I think we have it projected. And if you could just keep that up as I speak, that would be great. Um, verse 20 says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Two verses full of power. This is what's called a doxology. It's a, it's a hymn of praise to God. And Paul is sharing this doxology uh, within Ephesians as he's uh, kind of transitioning from the first part of Ephesians, and we went through this as a church not too long ago, First part of Ephesians, celebrating the glorious Gospel of grace, the wonder of the Gospel, and how God's glory is put on display through the work of Christ. Christ dying for our sins, rising again victorious over sin and death, and now that wonderful Gospel making its way into the world, transforming lives, transforming uh, communities as well. Changing the world uh, step by step and glorifying God in the process. So he's been talking about this glorious Gospel. And he's going to transition now into kind of how it, it works itself out in the nitty-gritty. That's what chapters uh, 4, 5, and 6 will, will highlight. So this is a doxology, a, a hymn of praise kind of at that point. And if Ephesians were a song, um, it would be a symphony, I think. And this would be kind of a, a glorious, resounding crescendo in the symphony. I don't know if you've ever been to a uh, symphony and heard classical pieces played. And often in those pieces, there's these crescendos, these, these points where it just the music arises and it's loud and it's glorious. Uh, and and it's so often it's a conclusion, but it's not here. It's actually this peak and then the song's going to go on. The song's going to continue throughout the rest of the book with all beautiful themes and variations that, that will actually flow from the crescendo though. Uh, and that's what's going on here. This, this point in this hymn of praise is, is a focal point. So chapters 1-3 through three focus in to this, this crescendo, and then chapters 4-6 through six flow out of this crescendo and kind of demonstrate how these things happen. How uh, the different topics here happen. So I want to just talk about these two verses. There's four things I want to say briefly. I want to talk about the fact that He is able. I want to talk about that it's through the power that's within us. And then it's, I want to talk about uh, it's, it's greater than all that we could ask or imagine. So ask and imagine. And then I want to talk about how He brings glory uh, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations in these ways. So, so quickly, we'll just move through. First, He is able. Uh, it says, not to Him who is able. It says, to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. That word far more abundantly, actually the, the whole phrase there, to do, He's able to do far more abundantly uh, is is a, a superlative. So it's, it's using, uh, using words to describe something as very, you know, uh, modifying an action with multiple modifiers. So it's far more abundantly. Um, and the word in the original language is, is hard to capture because it actually has a whole bunch of prefixes on it uh, that are like very, very, very. And so it says here he's able to do far more abundantly. That's a, an attempt at translating this word. It, it, it means that he's able to do way more than all that you could ask or imagine, all that you could uh, even think about immeasurably more. It's, it's like double times over, overflowing what you might think could be in the cup. Uh, so it's actually a word that has to do with filling a cup and overflowing the cup. 
and it's, it, it's the word that's used for overflowing a cup, but then it's like very, very much overflowing the cup. It's like this super word. Um, and, and the emphasis here is just on God's ability. He is, he is able to do way, 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 way more. That's the idea here than you could ask or imagine. Um, this is who God is. This is pointing to who God is. This is what God is like. And, and, and it's interesting because this is Paul has just prayed for them in another way that's actually equally amazing. He's prayed uh, briefly in, in verses, uh, the previous verses 14-19 through 19, that they would know the love of God. That they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's praying for the Ephesians to know the love of God which is infinite in dimensions in all dimensions. All, however you measure it, you can't measure it. And he prays, guys, this immeasurable love that's beyond comprehension. You can comprehend it, but you'll never comprehend it fully. This amazing infinite love that's been for you forever. We've seen it from before the foundations of the world in Ephesians. So this love that's infinite, coming from an infinite God. He's praying that you may be filled with this infinite love of God. That the, all the fullness of God, how full is God? How big is God? He's glorious and He's infinite. He's immeasurable. That you... Little human beings in this little church would be filled with this infinite glory of God. That's the idea here. So he's prayed, uh, he's prayed for really amazing, infinite things to happen in, in finite beings. And so he, this fits right here in verses 20 to 21. This God who's able to do way more, way, way, way more than all that we could ask or imagine. This is who God is, this is what he's like. Um, this is this is a prayer, by the way. This isn't Paul just praying like someday, maybe, um, like when Jesus returns. We know this will be answered when Jesus returns, and we're going to actually spend eternity trying to comprehend the incomprehensible. We're going to spend eternity enjoying the one who who is is more glorious and better and more enjoyable uh, and more pleasurable, more exciting, um, more just fulfilling than anything you could ever imagine forever. We know that. That's true. But he's not saying, guys, at some point. He's praying for them now. And the expectation is, is, is more present here for God to do these things beyond what we could ask or imagine. So yes, indeed, it's the final fulfillment, but it's the here and now as well. The prayer is for now that they would be filled with all this fullness now. And the, prayer, uh, and the, and the praise is for now for the One who is able to do all that we beyond far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine now. Is this your God? And you might be thinking, well, Paul, that sounds a lot like name it, claim it. And that's exactly what it is. It is name it, claim it. But the it is really different here than what name it, claim it people usually talk about, right? Because their name it, claim it is, I'm going to name health and wealth now. If I name it, if I just pronounce myself prosperous and generate from my own faith something God has to do, then I will be prosperous and I will have wealth. And that's... Uh, unbiblical, twisted, and even heretical, and even worse. That's not what I'm talking about because the name it, claim it, that it is the glory of God put on display in and through His church. And that's what Paul's praying, and that's what the, this crescendo is not just Paul enjoying his time with God. It's an example for the believers in Ephesus. It's an example for you, my brothers and sisters, for how you orient, orient yourself towards God. Is this your God? Is this your God who is able to do way more than you could ask or imagine? As you ask for and imagine in line with the will of God. 
in line with what Jesus would ask for or imagine. That's what adjusts it all away from health and wealth gospel to the true gospel. So as you dream and think about what God could do to glorify His name, to transform lives, to build His kingdom, He's able to do far more abundantly than all that you could ask or imagine in those ways. That's what this is talking about. This is who God is. And, and I think the question for you, brothers and sisters, and the encouragement for you, King of Peace team, is to believe God this way. To relate to God this way. To know that He's far more abundantly able to do than all that you could ask for or imagine. So all that you ask for or imagine in Salem, in terms of things for His glory, He's able to do way more and way better. And it's not just in size, but in quality. In every way. In every dimension you would, me- you would measure. He's able to do it and fill it out in a way that you can't even ask or imagine. This is who He is and this is how we ought to relate to Him. Um, who here knows who Harthor Julius Bjornsson is? He's a man from Iceland. He's a really large man from Iceland. He's six foot nine. He weighs 440 pounds. He is the strongman champion of the, the world right now. He can... He can uh, deadlift over a thousand pounds. Uh, that means basically, like your car, he can just kind of probably lift one end of it off the ground. He can bench press over 500. He's the giant man, six foot nine, 440 pounds, and he's like all muscle. Uh, he's actually uh, kind of a movie star too. Um, if he came to your house and he said, "What can I do for you?" After you said first, "Well, you could please don't hurt me," uh, <laughs> what would you want to ask him to do? Would you say, hey, my kitchen needs to be swept? Or, if you're like me, you'd be thinking, there's a big boulder in my backyard that I need to get dug up and moved. Can you do that? That's what I would ask Thor, as he's called, to do. I would ask him to do something according to being the strongest man in the world. I'd want to say, let's see the strong man stuff. Let's see you in action. That's what this passage is about. It's saying God is he's the strong man. He's more than Thor. He's infinitely strong and glorious. So ask him things. Ask and imagine for him to do things. And he promises to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine. So Salem team, ask him to tear down mighty strongholds in Salem. Ask him to convert the hardest hearts. Ask and expect him to draw the most distant ones near. The ones who everybody says they'll never be interested in anything to do with God. Ask Him and imagine Him bringing those near. Ask and imagine Him transforming Salem into the city of peace. God's peace. Ask that He would bring the churches together, including King of Peace, to be part of doing that. That He would build the church to shine for Him. He is able to do all this, so honor Him by asking and imagining accordingly. Now it says it's according to the power that's within us as well. That's what's amazing in this passage. He's able to do this. It's according to the power that's at work within us. This power that is in us. This mighty power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. When Jesus was raised victorious over sin and death, He was was raised up alive forevermore in a resurrected body as the Son of God. He's reigning now at the right hand of God. He's he's over all things. He's returning. He's going to bring the fullness of His kingdom. And that power that raised Him from the dead, that overcame sin and death, and and the power that will transform the universe is the power that Paul's talking about that. That's the power that's within us. Now that doesn't mean we're anything special. We're less than special, right? We are 
we're broken vessels and we're weak and we'll, we'll sin and we'll struggle, but there's forgiveness, there's power in the Lord. The power is from Him, but it is in us. And so according to the power that's within us, He does these things. That's the amazing thing. In His sovereignty, He's chosen to use these weak vessels, these ordinary vessels, to do extraordinary things. So don't be surprised by that. You're going to be ordinary. You're going to have weaknesses. You're not going to be able. But you have something in you. The risen Christ, by the power of the Spirit, lives and dwells in you and dwells in your midst. And that, there's power in that. There's actually infinite power to accomplish all that God would desire. So remember, the power is within you. You guys are like Iron Man going around there in Salem. If you know the story of Iron Man, uh, he is, uh, he's not real. He's a comic hero. Just so you know, in case you're worried. Um, and he has a fusion reactor heart. The, uh, the arc reactor heart. And, it, and there's, uh, they haven't figured out how to do that yet, but he has one, a fusion reactor heart, and it powers him in all that he can do, and he can do all these things, right? He has this special suit that is powered by the arc reactor, and he wears that suit, he can fight off missiles and giant aliens and fly and do all these things. He's Iron Man. He's got this power in him. You guys are like Iron Man. You have Christ in you. The infinitely glorious and powerful one in you to accomplish these sorts of things. So put your faith in Him, but put your faith in Him using you. That's the amazing thing. That's how God's designed His mission to be accomplished through ordinary people walking in His power, depending on Him. So it's according to the power that's within us. And He's able to do more than we ask or imagine. That's, that's really amazing because I can ask and imagine a lot of things. And He's able to do more than all that we could ask or imagine. He's able to do far more abundantly. So Paul uses that word to talk about he's able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or imagine. So my asking, and I'm sure you're asking and imagining at times, can be really, really exaggerated and perhaps unrealistic. And he's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or imagine. Now, of course, this is all in line with the Bible. So it's not to be Iron Man. That's not, you know, if I ask or imagine that I could really be Iron Man, that's not going to happen. But if I ask or imagine him glorifying his name and changing lives and transforming even culture and things like that, he can do far more abundantly. And he has been doing that. William Carey famously has said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. William Carey was uh, an early missionary to India. He went, he was a really normal person, but he had a great God and he followed the Lord to India and was part of a mission to India and God used him in incredible ways. And I'm sure there were things that he asked and imagined, and I know God did things beyond what he asked or imagined, because I know one thing that he's probably, unless he knows from heaven, he's not aware of because he died uh, in the early 1800s. But he did something in his life. He established uh, the first university in India and the first Bible college uh, seminary in India, Sarampur University. Later on, that Sarampur University trained a man named Ganga uh, Pradham, who in 1914, he was a Nepali man. Uh, there were no Christians in Nepal. He came to know Christ in India. He went to Sarampur University, and he, he was trained, and he created the, the first Nepali Bible. So they got the Bible in their own language in, in Nepali. Now, he was not allowed. He went into Nepal, and he was kicked out. His team was not allowed to be there. And there were actually no Christians allowed in Nepal until 1950. But there was a Bible that was made because of William Carey, Expecting great things, attempting great things, and then using that to 
influenced Ganga Pradham, and he get, makes the Bible, and then God in time raised up a man named Prad Pradham, who came to Christ in India and went back into Nepal in 1951 when the doors opened. The doors opened in 1950. There were zero Christians in Nepal. He went in and started sharing Christ and loving people. And he traveled and he labored. And in his lifetime, he went on to be with the Lord in 1998. It went from one Christian in Nepal in 1951 to 40,000 in 1990 in his lifetime. And then shortly after his death in the year 2000, 400,000 Christians in Nepal. And now this day, the estimates are as high as 2 million Christians in Nepal just in the past uh, 18 years or so, that addition coming. So of the population of 26 million, close to perhaps uh, 10% or 7% of the population knowing Christ. That is the sort of asking and imagining and God doing far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine at work in the life of William Carey, at work through these other men and women and at work in Nepal today. So, Salem team, ask and imagine. Imagine a church where there are people who are on fire about the glorious Gospel of grace. Ask for that. That they are most excited about that one thing. Christ crucified and risen for them. That they talk about it. That they remember it together. That they apply it to their lives and they can't help but share it with their friends and family. Imagine a church like that. A church that's full of diverse folks. More diverse than you could ever imagine. All sorts of different types of folks in King of Peace. Preppy sort of folks. People with tattoos and black fingernails. Anglos, Latinos, African Americans, Asians. People of every ethnicity you can imagine. People who go back to the Mayflower. People who just came yesterday. All in this church. Transformed and united in the glorious Gospel of grace. A church full of God's presence and power and character. Uh, that people are in coming to the church, worshiping with that church regularly, encountering Christ, being uh, converted, baptized, added, and added to the life and mission of the church. And people who come who don't know the Lord just saying, surely God is in your midst. Can you ask and imagine for a church like that? That's biblical. That's the sort of thing going on here. And there's much more to that. So, team, as you go, ask and imagine such things because this is our glorious God. And what's the result here, right? In the verse? Where is it all going? To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the path to glory. This is how God glorifies His name in this way. It comes from this glorious God who's able to do. It comes from Him working in us these normal broken vessels full of power. It comes for, uh, through us asking and imagining and Him going beyond that and answering. And He's glorified. That's, that's the goal here. There's, the glory of God is the goal. The, the highest goal we could ever have our God being magnified and enjoyed from generation to generation forever and ever. Amen. That's why we're planting King of Peace Church. Ephesians 3.20-21 I pray that you are encouraged team and King of Grace as we consider these things. Uh, let me pray and then invite Mike to come up and he's going to share with us as well. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank you for these truths, and I pray you'd build our faith in you, and you'd use us um, to glorify your name, Lord, that we would live and believe you according to your word, that you are a great God, far uh, more able to do than all that we could ask or imagine, way beyond. Help us to live this way, we pray, uh, and give you glory.